it looks like the lay people are getting uppity again. Uh-oh. Father Harrison. Uh-oh. Yep. Yep, what, they're happening? just causing more problems well, for the clerics. I mean, like they people. are, because they keep on calling out my errors. And I'm like, I'm a priest. I don't make errors. Right. right. They need to change their way so of thinking. So just as a little quick... Um, Another <laughs> small note of correction. I think last week I said, so first I said uh, University of Dallas, then I said University of Austin. It was University yeah. of Texas. <laughs> You're getting closer. I was getting closer. Or farther well, away. I don't know. know. Whatever. So, because yes, but this is all thanks to the laity correcting me. So, I, I well, judgments on the laity? Who's, who's to say? Is, is, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's embarrassing for you because I've never received a correction, at least not an accurate one on this podcast. But that's not what oh, I'm talking about. There's a different... Don't worry. There's, there's, a different, yeah, there's a different kind of uppityness. Mm-hmm. Uh, a rambunctiousness oh. uh, that's going on. And it's coming from our producers. Uh-oh. Producer Nick and producer Riley. Just yep. a few moments before we started our podcast, Our Labor of Love that we produce for the people who listen, yeah. that hopefully in some way they can grow closer to Jesus, they had the audacity to tell us that they're moving their date night. Right. They're moving their date night from Wednesday to Thursday. Right. I have a whole bunch of questions. Okay. You want to start with your questions? You're married. Why do you need to date? <laughs> Dating is over. Yeah. Like it, no it, more. It's all happening. No you're more. good. You're good. It's all good. Yeah. Why bother getting to know each other more or spending time with this person? You're stuck with them anyway. Sounds unhealthy to me. Exactly. To go on a date night. It sounds like and they, a little bit selfish. Yeah. It sounds like you know. I, uh, that's why I suggested to Nick before he left. I said, listen, you know, if you guys are going to move your date night, then really there's nothing better to do than edit the podcast on your date night because this podcast literally brings you together. Right. Exactly. If not for this podcast, they wouldn't even be married. Exactly. But but you're getting to the point, which is causing a problem. Because I don't care when they do their date nights. Sounds gross to me. Don't want to know anything about yeah. that. Yeah. But the problem is that we try to release our podcast on Fridays, and sometimes that means Nick has to uh, produce it and edit it and everything on Thursdays. So he was like, "Hey guys, try to get your podcast in early on Thursdays if you're going to do it, preferably earlier in the week." And I was like, last time I checked, this had nothing to do with your preferences. <laughs> I mean, we do pay, we pay him. We do. Yeah. What do we get out? And of, honestly, what, what do we get out of this podcast financially? Nothing. Exactly. L- literally nothing. Literally nothing. Uh, but also, but also, you know, the fact that we <laughs> even pay him has has bothered me a little bit because he gets first crack at our content before anyone else. It sounds he like should he's be paying, paying us, us for that privilege. Yeah, I was say, it sounds like he should be paying right? us. Yeah. This should be like the Nick tier of Patreon, right? hundred dollars yes. a week, you get to you get to listen first. What would be what would sound like an interesting thing would actually be a terrible thing is if we did a um if Nick did a live stream of him editing the podcast. Because <laughs> oh, it'd be a lot of just you hearing us making um sounds yeah. and him deleting them. Yeah. And, uh, and lots of facial Nick grunting from Nick. Yes, yes. As Nick is confused and angry about the audio content he has received. Right. Um, but uh, there might be some gems in there. Who knows? <laughs> but hey, you know, it's just I know I agree though. It's like who who are they to tell us what to do? I I if I if I'm off this podcast is because I'm so flabbergasted that I don't know if I can keep my mind straight. Perhaps dismayed even. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What other adjectives would describe your the state of your soul in this moment? 
discouraged, um, despairing. infuriated, despairing. on the edge of despair, not quite there, but you know, we're teetering. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but the show must go on. Nihilistic. So, uh, a little bit on the edge of nihilism, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I feel, I feel like gratitude is owed me and it's not being given, so... <laughs> But nevertheless, the show must go on. <laughs> Welcome to Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Anthony. I'm Father Harrison. So, uh, Father Anthony, I'm just curious. Can you tell me what I titled the stream? All right. So we record our audio via uh, this little stream. Uh, no one's no one's on the stream, but you record it. Father Anthony isn't really Italian. Right. <sighs> Do you want to explain <laughs> to people why you're wrong? Uh, no, it's why I'm right, actually. So... So I, ha- I have uh, in BC right now, we're kind of in a str- not lockdown, but we're restricted in our social gathering. So I have uh, some friends, Julie and Ben, who I've kind of hung out with over Christmas and stuff. So we're kind of hanging out once once a week together. And, and I was like, hey, let's like Ben's a great cook, awesome cook. And I'm like, hey, I want to start learning how to cook things better and stuff. I'm like, you know what? A cool thing to learn how to make would be bolognese sauce. Uh, and it's actually super easy to make. Uh, I was really impressed. I was like, oh, this is this is doable. Um, so we made that last night, like a ton. There was over four pounds of meat in it. So, I mean, I've got meals for days now. But then as he prepped, as he got the noodles done and everything, he just mixed the sauce into the noodles like a heathen. Like a heathen. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You put the sauce on top. You put the noodles down first, and you, then you gotta put a nice big heaping scoop of sauce on the top. That's that's this is the Italian way, and I know this because an old Italian lady from my last parish who made me her own homemade bolognese sauce, which is to die for, always insisted that it goes on top. Always insisted. Right. So this actually created quite a heated argument to the point where Julie got quite un- almost uncomfortable with how we were doubling down in our positions. We Googled it and there were obviously differing opinions. So I said, wait, I know a parent or oh, sorry, I know a supposed Italian now is what I would say now. At the time I was like, I know yeah, an Italian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I texted Father Anthony. I said, I have an Italian question for you. And I asked him, What's, what do you do with the bolognese sauce? He says, I don't know. That's it. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, you're not Italian. Because here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Even if you didn't know, a true Italian would give an opinion anyways. That That <laughs> is very true. That's what I can't deny. I should have like, yes, I definitely should have acted like I had known something. Right? And it was obvious. Exactly. Yes. This is your shit That's almost. fair. So I was like, and he didn't come to my defense. And I was like, you failed me as a no. friend right now. Uh, you should have just... Anyways, uh, so, you know, for those who listen, you know, we'd be interested to hear what your opinions are on that. But, you know, Father Anthony, so why do you want to defend the claim that you actually are Italian? Yeah, can I offer a defense? Yes, you may. Um, first thing, this can be controversial, but let me just tell you something. Speaking of Italians making stuff up, old Italian ladies lie all the time. Okay. All the time. For, um, and they will just make stuff up. For example, uh, 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 this is a story my dad tells about my late grandmother. And growing up, my dad grew up with my grandmother, and she was right off the boat. That for years and years in the U.S., she got you know adjusted to the language and everything. And my dad was asking her, uh, "Hey, hey, grandma, how do you um, say wait a minute in Italian? How do you say wait a minute in Italian?" And she was like thinking about it for a second because she kind of forgot what that is, what the phrase was, and she goes, "Ah, uh, uh, wait a minute, just wait a minute." <laughs> 
It's not forget about it. <laughs> no, yeah, not, yeah, no forget about it. Forget about <laughs> it. Okay, but also, also, uh, I think bolognese is like a northern Italian thing, and yeah, my family's from think, southern Italy from as well. Bologna. Yeah, <laughs> or like west of Bologna yeah. or something. Uh, but uh, yeah, so my family just never made it. Um, so, like, you know, we grew up with marinara sauce. Uh, and if you know you had made enough money, you could throw some uh, meatballs in there, and that'd be great. Um, but yeah, so it just was never a thing. Like we didn't make bolognese sauce; we made a ravioli and regular marinara, and that was about it. Okay, so but I'm not yeah. hearing a defense here. I'm not really. I'm just hearing excuses. As we all know, excuses are nails in the house of failure. But tweets are nails in the house of podcast success. So let's dive into the Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. The Summa Theologica was St. Thomas Aquinas' summary of theology. The Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. And I'm going to bring up something that is not a specific tweet, but is an event oh. that happened in some circles whoa, whoa, on I, Twitter. Whoa, whoa, hold on. Okay. This is, uh... wow, you're, you're breaking precedent. I am. We're going to do things a little bit differently. Like I said, the whole producer Nick and Riley thing has thrown me off, but this okay, is something fine. I feel like I want to talk about. Okay, and I'm interested in a Canadian's uh, perspective on this. Um, a few days ago, over the Twitters, there became a, an argument, uh, and one of the best kind of arguments that happens on Twitters, a very silly argument. Apparently, some people started bashing the Midwest of the United States, hmm. and other people very enthusiastically defended the Midwest of the United States. Those states that uh, we derisively call flyover country. Mm -hmm. Now, I totally support anyone defending their hometown. I think hometown pride is a source of spiritual health in a person. But I, I brought this opinion up before, but I think it bears repeating. And it is my opinion that God m desires people to live in squiggly Geography. Okay. The more squiggles in your geography, the better. Mm -hmm. So if you're right. by rivers and hills and mountains, that's where humanity thrives. Yeah, it's even that's even the good and it's stuff. even better when you're near ocean. If you're near ocean, it, that's a helpful no, that's thing. That's even better. No, it's even better. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm okay with that. Okay. Like I said, not all of us can live in super squiggly places, but you have at least some squiggles. Okay. And when I look at the Midwest, mm -hmm. everything from the borders to, uh, you know, the geography of mountains and plains. It's all just flat and straight. Like, the fact that you can drive straight for any amount of time in the Midwest horrifies me. Does Montana count as Midwest? Does it? I don't know. I have Montana's... no idea. I'm actually, this is me being Canadian. So I'm, like... pulling, I'm pulling American in that I'm totally ignorant of American geography sometimes. So, uh, yeah. 
just as Canadians are like, Vancouver Island? Is that like Vancouver? I'm like, no, it's Vancouver Island. Yeah. It's an island. But like, I, I've been out to like Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons. So many squiggles. Squiggly mountains, squiggly trails, squiggly canyons. Yeah. It's a beautiful, amazing place. It makes you feel alive. If you're in some place with flat, that's flat and has no squiggles, okay, like there's a fear that you're gonna fall into the sky. Right, it's horrifying. So I, I've done some. You don't have the mountains right. and valleys. It's like God's hugging you and surrounding you with His love. Mm-hmm. So if hell is anything, it's like a cornfield. <laughs> so um, I I've done some efforting. So the U.S. Census Bureau defines the Midwest oh. by twelve states. Mm-hmm. Illinois, uh, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, North Dakota, Ohio, South Dakota, and Wisconsin. So you see some of those mm-hmm. states, like, like for example, Michigan's got lots of water. And so you're going to have some squiggles. Right. Uh, and, sure. and, and I mean, you know, I think, um, I wonder how Father Dan would feel if we, if we roasted Illinois. Oh, he he already hates me. We're not friends anymore okay. because of this. Okay. okay. So there you go. Okay, good. Okay, good. I just want to make sure. Uh, just got to be, you know, got to cover our bases. So I, mm-hmm. I, so here I, 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 I tend, I tend to agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I lived in the, I lived in Edmonton for four years when I was in seminary. And it was, it's kind of, it's the prairies. We call it the prairies in Canada. So, um, sure. Saskatchewan, um, Alberta, and Manitoba are all the prairies. So, like, especially Saskatchewan, like, especially Saskatchewan, their borders are this. It's like a big rectangle, and that's it. Question. If you have prairies, does that mean you have uh, moose boys instead of cowboys in Canada? No, we got... um... No, actually, we do have it. We essentially have cowboys. Uh, uh, Alberta <laughs> is the Texas of Canada. Okay. If you went out, I'm trying to wrap my mind they, around, we have that. a mass. They have a massive stampede in Calgary every year. It's huge. Cowboy boots and hats everywhere in Chile. Fascinating. Within, without beans and everything. So, uh, but I. So I lived in Alberta, and listen, I love the people. Like here's so here's the thing. Geographically, it might be flyover country, but population-wise, it's the heart of the country. Mm-hmm. Because at the same time, while the land is boring, dull, and um, kills the soul, uh, the people yeah. warm the heart. You know, <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> it, it's it's I I because I my 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 experiences people from your Midwest or your prairies tend to be some of the most kindest. Uh, welcoming, caring, warmest people you'll ever meet. Passive aggressive, goofy as hell. No, you're right. I agree. I right? have uh, so friends in there. This is how... They make up for the lack of squigglies in their geography right. by the squigglies in their heart. And that is beautiful <laughs> yes. to me. Yes. What's the squiggly what's the squiggles in your heart, right? <laughs> yeah, what are the squiggles in your heart? <laughs> so geographically I find it boring doll. But at the same time, people who are from the prairies in Canada at least they talk about well, I, no, I like the big sky. I'm like that. That sounds like an excuse because I can just get an airplane and see the sky totally. So um, you lose on that one. I'm sorry. I want mountains. I want my ocean. I want green. I want I want lakes and I want rivers and I want all of that. 
I will say this as far as the Big Sky thing. One of the coolest and most terrifying moments of my life. Uh, when I was driving through Ohio, and I was driving very quickly because I wanted to get out of Ohio as fast as possible, obviously. But there was like a major storm warning. And being able to see all that sky, it felt like I was in the movie Twister. It felt like there was a tornado chasing after me, and it was right. horrifying. But also, it looked really cool. So there's that. Yeah. But like, I feel like the sky tries to kill you way more often. Like normally, it, just, it rains or it snows. Mm-hmm. In the Midwest, the sky tries to kill you with tornadoes. This is true. This is true. And the sky can see you. You can't hide in the mountains. Yeah. It can just target you and boom, tornado. Yeah, in the Pacific Northwest, they'll over. say, well, the, the earth tries to kill you. I'm like, yeah, but we never have earthquakes here. Everyone's always talking about the big one here. I'm like, eh. No, I'm sorry. I'm not worried. Nothing. I'm not worried. Yeah. I, the West Coast is the best coast. All right. All right. Oh, I got to come up with one now, don't I? Because you totally mm-hmm. threw off my rhythm because you did this thing. Uh, let's go with... Okay, let's go with something more serious since that was a little bit more fun. <laughs> We've been very slowly so far. Yeah, uh, all right. We'll do J.D. Flynn from The Pillar. That's The Pillar uh, Catholic News Agency. The Pillar Catholic News Agency. Um, ThePillarCatholic.com. www.thepillarcatholic.com. If you haven't signed up, why haven't you? And we aren't getting paid yeah. for that. We just love our friends and want to support them. Uh, so Jay, this is from the third. This is from a bit ago. Partially because I have not been on Twitter much the last few weeks. And uh, on purpose a bit. And I so I've been really dragging my feet in getting uh, tweets into the DMs because Father Anthony never does. So Yes. <laughs> Uh, so, or sorry, JD says heresy is the obstinate denial of or obstinate doubt after the reception of baptism of some truth which is to be believed by divine and Catholic faith. Stop using heresy to mean something I disagree with. Do better than that. And he is like one hundred percent right because I mean it happens on, on it definitely happens in a lot of online discourse. That's heresy. That's heresy. It's like no, that's what you think. It's just something you don't like. And you think that because of your very narrow definition of faith, that because it doesn't fit that, it's automatically heresy. And not only that, you are not the proper ecclesiastical authority to judge what is and isn't heresy. That is for the role of bishops and the magisterium to declare, and not for us, even not for me as a priest. I can talk about the history of a heresy. I can talk about like what the church has defined as heresies. That's my job as a teacher of the faith. But I can't go around calling you know everyone a heretic or everything a heretic, and because it, like it's also like definitely like, um, there's different form like there's different ways one's a heretic too, right? Like there's all sorts of things, and most people don't know these nuances, and they just like to use it as a buzzword to shut down an argument because they actually don't want to have a discussion. What are your thoughts right. on heresy? Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm against it in general. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I will say, you know, things can in, wait, be sorry. bad. In general, is there specifics where you're in favor? <laughs> Not in favor, but I'll explain this in a second. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I mean, there's some real fun heresies out there. Oh, there are. I'm not saying they're, not saying they're right. I'm just saying they're fun. Okay. Um, but something can be wrong and not be a heresy. Right. Something can be bad. And not a heresy. Yeah. You can just say, this is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, When you throw around the word heresy, you kind of diminish its meaning because it's a very serious accusation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, you know, one of the major distinctions in heresy that is uh, kind of helpful to understand is that there is material and formal heresy. Fancy words. So formal heresy is like you know you're doing a heresy or speaking a heresy. You're doing it on purpose. 
you're saying that, you know, this thing about the Catholic faith is wrong and this other thing is right. But if you are a parishioner and you've been going to Mass for any amount of time, you have probably encountered a material heresy. And that's when uh, someone kind of accidentally does a heresy. Right. And if they had known that it was a heresy, they would not do it. Yeah. So uh, this will sometimes happen in preaching. And it happens, I think, it's probably happened to every priest where you're diving into a theological concept and you either slip up your words or something. Uh, maybe on Trinity Sunday, you um, are going a little bit too off the cuff and you accidentally get the language wrong. And oops, you did a heresy. Yeah. Um, that's That's not like a... That's more of an oopsie. Right. That's not a, you know, uh, get you kicked out of the church kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important to understand that as well. Yeah, and it's, you know, and even with material heresy, like, I, I would say it's even, it's really more of an important term. It's something you're kind of almost obstinate in, but you're just, like, not knowing that you're obstinate in something so super wrong. Like, formal okay, heresy yeah. is, like, a real cooperation saying, I am definitively holding this. Like, some some people can hold it for a long time. But, I mean, yes, there are absolutely moments where you just can be... Um, accidentally material materially a heretic i remember in my early days you know as we all are in our uh, as we're get, discovering the intellectual tradition of the church i remember having a debate with someone mm-hmm. about um the two wills of christ and and the two natures and and i fell <clears throat> i fell into um oh no it wasn't monoenergism it was like uh <laughs> It was another one. Like it was the one where I was essentially like talking about, like I was losing the distinction between Jesus's two wills, and I forget what the ah, I forget yeah, what yeah. the heresy is that only says that Jesus has one will. I'm forgetting that one because I my my wheel. I think it's called uh, uh, one willyism. Oh, one willyism. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> that sounded dirty. <laughs> Go ahead, keep going. Um. Yeah, so you know it happens. I yeah, but I remember that discussion to clear. I'm like, oh my gosh, I was just so ignorant and everything like that back then. But you know, at the same, and listen, and you're right. They can be fun. some of them can be fun. And I, for me, I, I always love just to say this one, just because I think it's one of the coolest named heresies. Okay, New Maptomachianism. Okay, in a nutshell, what is New Maptomachianism? The denial that the Holy Spirit is also God. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah it, it was it was a fourth century heresy that talked about how the Father is God, the Son is God, but not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's created. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was that was why Constantinople, the Council of Constantinople, ha- added the stuff into the creed around the Holy Spirit because mm-hmm. they wanted to fight against new Maximianism. And I just love to say it because it's like such a massive word and it sounds cool and it's a very Greek thing. So, um, yeah. So I think we just have to be more careful about that and, and like and also like actually study church history and like and I. Also, the other thing, too, is like people always like, oh, we got to condemn this. We got to condemn that. I'm like, you have to realize like when the church has in, in her, especially in the early church history, when, when there was a lot of heresies going on, the church was trying to figure things out. It wasn't just like con- condemn this and condemn that. It was a lot messier, <laughs> like a ton messier. So we got to be careful about just saying, I don't agree with like You can say I don't agree with this, but it's probably not heresy. Uh, heresy is saying... Jesus is not the son of God or Jesus is just a human person, right? Or because, and just for those who don't know, uh, we say he's not, he's not just, he's not a human person because his person is according to his divinity. He's full. He's a divine person with two natures, fully God and fully man. Um, 
or you know, uh, there's all sorts of things that we can say. And listen, I, I hear it from Catholics all the time. I think there's a lot of times Catholics are not intentionally materially heretics, not because they. It's just because maybe they haven't fully fleshed something out, and it's not interfering with their faith. But at the same time, it, these things are important to talk about because material. Yeah. This is where material heresy can get dangerous. Is that you engage with it so much that it actually starts to form your spiritual life negatively, right? Because for the church, the reason we hold up our doctrines as so important is because they impact our prayer and spiritual life and vice versa, right? Orthopraxis and orthodoxy go together. They're not, you know, they feed each other. So it's always important to kind of keep that in mind. So it's always important to learn these things. We don't have to be great academics about it, but it's also why the church fought so passionately for it in the early church. And, And the church has fought against these things even today, but that's largely the job of the bishops. So like, leave it to them to talk about what is a heresy and what's not instead of just going out condemning everything as heresy because it yeah. nine times out of ten it actually may not even be a heresy it just might be something you disagree with like like just because a philosopher like a modern philosopher has something to say like like, like to say doesn't necessarily like like uh, nietzsche has a lo- lot of really bad philosophical principles or heidegger or hegel doesn't mean mm-hmm. what they're saying is heresy it's just philosophically wrong but that's the difference also don't you have to be a catholic to commit a heresy yes right and that's the other thing like yeah. they say protestantism is a heresy yeah. i'm like well no because they're not catholic i mean they're denying a truth right. of the church like the first protestants were heretics mm-hmm. and this actually gets very you know um even just you know uh pastorally if you will uh difficult right. um because, you know, what happens when you have, okay, so Martin Luther, definitely a heretic. But what happens a few generations um, after him where someone which just grew up in the um, Protestant uh, ecclesial community, mm-hmm. uh, that's, a different, that's a different phenomenon right there mm-hmm. uh, and should be treated differently. Yes, exactly. So it's like, just, just chill. Let's just chill. Mm-hmm. And also remember... But you know what's a great yeah. inoculation against heresy? Mm-hmm. The mass. Amen. If you if you if you listen to the there's a reason why we recite the creed at every Sunday mass, yeah. every solemnity. It's quite literally so it gets like nailed into our brains that this is the truth. Right. That's why they it, put it in it's there. It's the symbol of faith. It's the thing that unites us. Yeah. Right. But even you know, apart from that, if you listen to the Eucharistic prayers, um, especially like on feast days. If you listen to the preface, that's the part where the Lord be with you yeah. and with your spirits, lift up your hearts. We're lifting up them, them up as high as we can. Uh, it's when you go, like a lot of times the preface will explain the mysteries of the feast day to you. Um, also the opening prayer, you know, the collect, everything. If you listen and pray along with the mass, it inoculates you against heresy. Mm-hmm. And quite literally one of the arguments against Arianism, which was the denial that Jesus is divine, was that some of the bishops were like, hey, you know, at mass, we're using word and like what we've always been doing is using words that worship Jesus Christ. We worship, we can only worship God and we're already worshiping Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He's obviously divine. Yeah. You know, that's kind of a, you know, a way that, um, that orthopraxis right. informs well, our orthodoxy. That's why in the Nicene Creed too, how when they talk about the Holy Spirit, who is, um, oh man, the problem is I, I know the creed, but I have to almost go through it to get to that part. You know, yes, you have to go through the entire, entire mass and the then entire you can do creed. The creed. I have to go through it to get to that part, but it says like, 
uh, with the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. That's what, yeah. Yes. Worshipped and glorified. Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually, it's interesting. It doesn't actually say he's God, but it uses the same words that you would, can only apply to God. They did that for a few reasons, because yeah. they wanted to appease certain camps, but uh, at the same time, they recognize, like, this is these are actions that can only happen to God. The other funny thing, thing yeah. is there is, like, when you were saying, you know the thing that inoculates you against the mass? I thought you were going to say presbyteral exhortations. I thought you were doing a transition. Yeah. I thought you were doing a transition. You threw me. You threw me. Yeah, sorry. I only have one good transition in me, like every three months. Okay. So uh, I use that one up already. Um, <laughs> but uh, speaking of bad <laughs> transitions, it's time for presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral exhortations. Oh yeah, yes. quite good, quite good. Indubitably. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn. <laughs> it's my favorite part. It's the best part. Yes, quite. Yes, quite. Uh, oh, the old bait and switch. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but also, let's start with something that I'm going to start with a controversial statement, and I want to break it down from there. Okay. Because this is something that's been running around in my head and in my heart for a long time. It was kind of creeping up when we had that episode on God's love a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Talking about our nothingness, God's love. Mm-hmm. It's something I've seen in a lot of people that I met with over the years. It's something that I've noticed in my own spiritual life. And it's uh, it's something. And I want to get to that thing. Okay, okay are you ready? Yep. I think... We need to be at peace with the fact that we are sinners. Okay. I think we need to be at peace with the fact that we are sinners. Mm-hmm. Father Harrison, gut reactions to that statement. Amen. Cool. All right. Um, well, it's just like, uh, you, well, I'm sorry. I have like nothing profound to say. This is like, da-da. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm sorry. I mean, not, sorry, not. Yeah. I shouldn't say it like that. But it's like for me, it's just like this is it. Like it's that interview that Pope Francis gave a few years ago to one of the magazines. They said, "Who's Pope Francis?" He says, "I'm a sinner." Right, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's something a lot of Catholics are willing to say. There's a few, like, and there's also a few reasons. I think a lot, like, for my my experience has been that generally older Catholics, like seventy plus, really struggle to hear that. Mm-hmm. Because their experience of the word sin is so dramatically different than ours. All they hear is guilt and shame. Like guilt and shame in the negative sense senses of how those usually work. And so if they yeah, if you were like to say psychological Yeah, like there's a lot of psycho to it. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of wounds with all of that because of how it was preached mm-hmm. about for a long time. Like, listen, it's not wrong to preach about sin, but you have to preach about it from the context of God's divine love, right? So, so I have because my experience has been it's like, wow, Father, you talk about sin all the time. I'm like, but not in a bad way. Like, like this is the beginning of everything. If you don't, if you don't acknowledge yeah. the beginning, you you can't get to the cross. You can't get to God's love. But it's not something to beat us up. For me, it's the start of hope. Right. Okay. So I'm glad you brought up that aspect. That's very true. But also, I think the statement, I think there's resistance to the statement, we have to be at peace with the fact that we're sinners, comes from people who are genuinely pursuing holiness. Right. Exactly. Because it sounds like, you know, they hear that, like, Father, does that mean I just have to give up? 
Does that mean like, oh, well, I'm a sinner anyway. Might as well right. do some sins. Or it's like it can become, a, yeah, it, for a lot of people. Like, and I, this is the barrier for, yeah, I would say Catholics 40 and under. If they hear that, they're going to often think, oh, so you're just saying I can, it's okay to be complicit with sin. Like sin isn't a big deal really then, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, but neither of those are real truths. Right. So I am not saying sin is not a big deal. Sin is very much a big deal. Sin is bad. We, and clerically speaking, are against sin. Right. Yes. We are not. That's our we official are not, stance of this podcast. We are not heretics. I don't know about those other Catholic podcasts, but here we are anti-sin. Yes. Is that clear? Okay. <laughs> but what I see is um, a kind of pride that is the flip side of uh, zeal. Mm-hmm. The one thing I've, I've realized in my own spiritual journey and in my journeying with others is that pride is so sneaky mm-hmm. and it creeps up in ways that you would not expect mm-hmm. where what you think you're pursuing is righteousness, but it's actually your own pride informing you and pulling you away from God under the auspices of holy things. Mm-hmm. And that's why I want to start off with that kind of like strong statement. We have to come peace with the fact that we're sinners. Mm-hmm. That's not to say like we shouldn't be at peace with sin. Uh, so how should I put this? A lot of times people who struggle with sin ask me, well, what should I do? Mm-hmm. What should I do? And these are the kind of people who are, they're uh, trying to pray every day. Um, they are going to confession regularly, but they are just very frustrated with their lack of progress in the spiritual life or what they see as lack of progress in the spiritual life. Mm-hmm. It feels like to them, they keep running up against the wall or they keep falling into the same sin. Very often, not always, not for every person, but very often it's usually sexual sin. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear... And you see this online, too, in tweets, people saying how terrible they are as people or how frustrated they are with themselves. You hear it in statements like, I am my own worst critic. Whenever I hear that, I'm like, ooh, that's dangerous Mm -hmm. because that's pride sneaking up on you again. And when I say, like, what you need to do is stop trying to do something. It can sound like I'm saying uh, it's kind of like a quietism, you know, right. just like let it be, whatever happens, happens. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that these people, and I've been one of them many times, and I'm sure I'll be one of them in the future as well. You end up denying both the reality of God and the reality of God's grace. Mm-hmm. When I say be at peace with the fact that you're a sinner, I'm not even so much speaking with sin. Uh, about sin, I'm speaking about God's love for you, mm-hmm. which on some level you are utterly refusing to acknowledge. Right. Because even things like, you know, I'm my own worst critic. Well, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be your own worst critic mm-hmm. because you are a terrible judge of things. Because a lot of times that will come from a scrupulous person or from a person who who dabbles in scrupulosity. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times... Uh, they will, you know, let's say they had a busy day and they either missed their holy hour or their morning prayers or something, and they will just get really down on themselves and think that they're a terrible person mm-hmm. and will be less motivated to pray the next day. Right. 
or they'll turn prayer into like a pure task. Like I didn't check this box. Right. And that means I failed. Pursuing the spiritual life in that way is removing God from the spiritual life. Mm -hmm. It's no longer about relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame that words like relationship have in some circles of the Catholic Church been so poisoned that it sounds kind of fluffy and uh, meaningless. Yeah. But it's actually really crucial. Right. Um, because this is God reaching out to you in love. It's it's inherently relational. Mm-hmm. And I, oh, I lost my thought. It was, um, oh, right, right. So you are a bad judge of yourself. Like God is never surprised by your sin. Right. And this is another thing that I, I, I struggle with because it's, it's in popular piety and it's, it can be a powerful and very good thing, but I think this has been twisted as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the saying or the idea that God is hurt by your sins. Okay. Right. Right. We need to make some distinctions here. Love is wounded by sin. Right. Um, and indeed, like our sins crucified Christ. Right. And that looks like it hurt to me. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying you can't, that, you can't wound you God's gotta, nature with this. Yes, exactly. Because God is unchanging. <laughs> exactly. So this is this is a very complicated theological subject, but I just want to move away from the complicated theology and just move to the practical yep. aspect of this. Mm-hmm. When we hear that our sins have wounded God, we think about the ways that people have wounded us mm-hmm. and how in our own lives that creates a bitterness toward that person. It creates a division between that person and us. Um, we are no longer able to relate to that person. Mm -hmm. And we need to keep in mind that God does not hold grudges against us when we sin. Mm -hmm. God's response to sin, whenever we pull away from him, is always, he always takes a step forward whenever we take a step back. Right. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve sin. What's the first thing God says? Where are you? He's literally walking in the garden. (laughs) Right, right. They're walking. He says, says that he's walking in the garden. Right. He's like going to our enemy. Where are you? He's reaching out. He's looking for them. He's going to them. And when you don't allow God to do that, you're like doubling down on your sin. You are saying, um, I've sinned and I'm going to be my own judge. Mm -hmm. Because deep down, I can't accept the fact that I'm a sinner. Mm -hmm. And connecting it to our old uh, episode... Deep down, I forget or I refuse to acknowledge that without God, I'm nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've been talking for a while. I don't know what to say, oh, man. My, I'm off my uh, ADHD medication for a couple of days because I just need to. <laughs> I, I, okay. So I, I'm just trying to work it in my head a bit. But it's like, you're right. Like I, I totally agree with the underlying problem. But then, yeah. Um, what are the spiritual roadblocks to that besides being like a self judge? Like. Why is this a problem, and and what can we do to overcome it? And, and it's kind of where I'm still. I'm interested to see where you go with that before I say more. Okay, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what are the what kind of causes this, and where how do we like fix yeah. this sort of thing? Yeah. If that's where you're trying to go with the conversation, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I do eventually yeah. want to go there. Um, the way it normally happens, the way this is normally uh, healed, is kind of rough. Right. I found. The way this is normally healed is that you run up against the wall of your pride so often and you hit rock bottom and then you go 
below rock bottom and hit an even deeper rock bottom mm -hmm. until you're utterly broken and exhausted, utterly convinced of your own inability to do anything about your own sin, that in that very, very, very dark place, you are finally open to God's grace. Mm -hmm. I think that's how it normally happens. Okay. But I don't think it has to happen that way. Mm -hmm. Like, that has happened in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's not a fun journey. Right. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I think you can stop this from happening before you beat yourself well, into a pulp. Yeah, I think that maybe that's the better question is what's been, like, maybe, you, I mean, you can't reveal too much, I guess, but what, yeah. where's this uh, Where's this coming from? Is this coming from pastoral experience for you? Is this coming from, yes. yeah, okay. Yeah, it's pastoral experience and uh, my own uh, meditation on my spiritual journey, okay. um, particularly in seminary. Okay. Uh, for example, you know, in seminary, you're constantly being evaluated. You're evaluating yourself. You become more keenly aware of your own sinfulness. There can be a temptation for seminarians to try to think they can wipe away all their sinfulness mm -hmm. and be a perfectly clean and holy right. angel right. so that they will be the perfect priest. Or the fun one. And they'll yeah. be able to preach like Fulton Sheen. Yeah, or the fun one And they'll of, be a smart when I'm more, as yeah. Athanasius. Once those hands are laid on my head, as, I'm going to be a perfect priest. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't think that. I don't think they want to get to the point. Right. So when the hands are laid on their head, right. they're ready to be a perfect right. priest. Right. Instead of admitting that you're going to be a sinner yep. as a priest. Yep. Period. Yep. Right. Right. Yep. So it's that kind of effort. And I've seen this a lot in uh, my pastoral experience. The same sort of thing. Like I need to get to this point, and then I can have a relationship with God. Okay. That makes yeah, sense. I guess. Yeah. So. It's not incredibly novel, right? Uh, what I'm bringing up here, but I want to try to bring it up in a different way to prevent people from beating themselves up against a wall until they hit rock bottom and are like, you can accept your emptiness in a better way. I think. Yeah, I think part of it is like, but I think I, so. Okay, I think a lot of the reasons why we struggle to accept this is because for two reasons, it's not. Uh, it's not a societal norm to do this, right? Any little mistake is—I mean, you see it on Twitter, right? I—I've I, been burned just because I made a joke that I thought was funny, and it kind of was. But some people took it—you know—different times of taking them out of context and really, and then just use it as a time to just really go after a person. Like, whoa, there's like that's yeah. and that's not okay. And it makes and it makes it hard for people to want to be vulnerable when all you do is get accused and judged for whatever reason without even any sense of compassion or understanding saying, why did this happen, right? It's just the attacks. So there's that. But also in the church, we um, we suck at mercy. <laughs> yeah. We suck at mercy. We expect our priests to be merciful to us. But like, okay. We expect our priests to be merciful to us by giving us the absol absolution, but we still do not believe in the phrase, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Yes, I think that's a thing. But I think a lot of times, I've experienced this in the confessional, that people don't actually want the priest to be merciful to them. Mm -hmm. That like, right, they want you know, I give you three Hail Marys and they're disappointed right. because they wanted me to yell at right. them. Right. So yeah, it happens like, I'm directing this more toward the kind of person who is actively pursuing holiness yep. and has maybe read a lot and done a lot. You know, there are those people who very much so just, um, you know, go in the confessional, say their sins and have no mercy toward other people. Right. And that is a problem. Right. And it is. And I think, but, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. 
yeah, but like more for the person who, um, okay, so let's let's concretize this. Yeah. Because there's a lot of young people who listen to our show, and there's a lot of old people who listen to our show. And one thing that usually commonly unites young people and old people, and every priest knows this, is that they probably struggle on some level with sexual sin. Okay. Okay? And this is the one thing that I I don't find I find funny in the sense that we're very silly human creatures. Um, is that uh, I think this is a difficult thing to deal with when you're young, especially when hormones and stuff are all brand new. Um, but any priest will tell you it doesn't matter how old you are, you'll you're here these hear these sins from people. Mm-hmm. And indeed, there are some people who don't struggle with mm-hmm. it as much as others. Mm-hmm. Okay, but this is a thing I see a lot in, in the church for a lot of reasons. People will struggle with a sexual sin, and then they will define their entire spiritual lives by that sin. Mm-hmm. And until they conquer, until they conquer that sin, they will not allow themselves to be in a relationship with God. Right. It's one of, you You throw a lot of stuff at God, mm-hmm. like uh, you ask for God's mercy, you accuse yourself as a sinner, but you're never willing to accept the fact that God loves you in this moment. And like I said, their entire spiritual life is revolves around sin instead of God's love. Mm -hmm. So when I haven't done this one sin, I'm holy. As soon as I have done this sin, I am unholy. I am unworthy. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to get into the whole fact of uh, how habitual sin um, mitigates mm-hmm. things, and I don't get into that so much. But I think one important spiritual step in conquering this sin, and by analogy, conquering a lot of other sins, is to realize that you're powerless to do this on your own. To come to peace with the fact that I am a person who struggles with this, mm-hmm. but that's not all of who I am. Mm-hmm. I am a person who is loved by God. Right now, I'm struggling with this. And maybe I've been struggling with it for years. But that does not mean that God cannot work wonderful graces in my life. That does not mean God can't use me to spread the gospel. Mm -hmm. And if God is being patient with me in this sin, uh, and if God wasn't being patient with you, he either would strike you with a lightning bolt or take it away. Mm -hmm. That means God is teaching me something by allowing me to do this. Mm -hmm. It's And when people hear that, like, I'm not saying then become comfortable with looking at sexual images on the internet. Right. I'm not saying that. Right. Um, I am saying there needs to be an interior acceptance of your own emptiness and the fact that you're loved by God. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean with coming to peace in general with the fact that you're a sinner. Right. So, hmm. Yeah, there's a few things. So I think, I think, and I think where the frustration often lies, if you say this to people, is they want a five, they want five steps out of their sin. Right. Yeah. And they're frustrated when you say, "Yeah, I'm not giving that to you." Yeah. Yeah. Now, listen, I'm not saying like there are steps, right? Like, I mean, I, I work with people. There are great steps. I've worked with people many times I... who even struggle with different addiction issues, right? There are twelve steps, right? But, yes. But, Interestingly, it's all about a spiritual solution with that stuff, right? It's um, mm-hmm. so there are steps, but it's but the step is really not a practical. Here's the five things you need to do in your life so that you don't do this sin anymore. It's the mm-hmm. what you it's that you need to accept that 
not only does God love you in this, but that this is precisely the place, like this thing you hate so much is actually the place Jesus wants to encounter you. Mm-hmm. Because the only way he can forgive sin is if he entered into that sin. Not that you have to do that sin to encounter him. That's not what I'm saying, but more of a... Right, now. What I'm saying more is... You do not sin yeah. more so that grace can abound right, more. Yeah, like it's not... yeah, that's like anti-Romans. <laughs> Anti-Romans. Yeah, yeah. uh, um, but it's more to say that I've done this sin. This is precisely where Jesus wants to encounter me so that I don't be... I'm not there anymore, but I can only encounter him if I say, okay, Jesus, I want to meet you here. Um, and I, and I have to meet you here and, and it's, it's actually in some ways, this actually gives to a profound reason for the church's understanding of the sacrament of confession, right? It's this, it, that's literally the place where by speaking a sin, Jesus enters into it through grace. Um, so, but you need to be willing to encounter Christ there and to say, and to see, I mean, there's a whole bunch of reasons why we struggle with that. We, th- some of us, it might be that. If I say this, then Jesus is just going to like stare down at me and judge me, right? Or um, they, for a variety of reasons, we can't see we we can't see sin through love, and this is the problem. We we've we've banalized love. We've done a horrible job of embodying love as Christians, and so we actually really don't know what this is meant to look like, and so it's we get afraid to actually do this we get afraid to actually go there because we haven't really seen it maybe we haven't experienced it for whatever reason yeah and and so it's it's hard to understand how god can look at our sin in a loving way and and not that he lo- again not that he loves that sin but rather that he loves you and that but the only yeah. way he's going to be able to love you is if he says yeah but i need the wound to love you and it's actually right. I can only love you and a lot of times yeah yeah a lot of times what looks like pursuing holiness is actually avoiding the wound Mm-hmm. Um, this will happen with people who go to confession more than once a week, right. or sometimes even people who go once a week. Is that you sin and then you immediately hide from the sin? Mm-hmm. You immediately hide from it and go to confession so that you can forget about it. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong; confession has uh, incredible graces. It's a sacrament. It forgives you of all your sins. It gives you strength to fight against mm-hmm. sin. Uh, I think regular confession is a good thing, but sometimes we have. Oh, I have to be careful about how, because I don't want to freak out scrupulous people. Um, but I think there's a moment that, let's say, um, you really struggle with anger. Mm-hmm. And this is a habitual sin for you. You just, like, fly off the handle. You you did it. You indulged in your anger. You wrote a 25-tweet uh, thread on how this person's a jerk face. Or you yelled at your spouse or whatever. Instead of immediately freaking out and looking up confession times, I think one of the things you need to do is just sit with that for a moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where is it coming from? Allow God to help you investigate what's going on in your heart. Stop using confession as a band-aid. Like, I'm not saying don't go to confession. Right. Definitely go to confession. Right. But I think there needs to be a moment where we acknowledge the reality of our sin and the fact that it's coming from our own hearts. Yeah, so this is, I think, you're, this is where we're getting to the meat of it, I think. it's mm-hmm. um, We're not willing to actually sit with the crap we're going through, right? Um, I, like, to actually deal with it in front of us. You're, I did X, Y, and Z. Okay, but why? 
well, I'm feeling this. Okay, well, what did you do with that? Oh, I did X, Y, and Z. I'm like, no, no, no. Okay, yeah, those are sins, but the real issue, you know, going to confession isn't going to fix this per se because you're not willing to actually deal with the issue in your heart. Right? And that's and that's where we need to work, right? And it means, and yeah, sometimes, yes, it, it means we need to remove things in our life that are occasions of sin to help with that, but it's like at the same time, we yeah. need to, we actually just need to sit with, the yuckiness of what we're feeling and to be okay with that. Um, like, and, I, and to realize yeah. that Christ is sitting with exactly. us during that right. time. Because we are baptized and the indwelling of the Trinity is with us always through the, through that, right? And and not just that, we and we're not alone in that. It's not just Christ. It's really the whole church is with us too through baptism, right? Mm-hmm. We're not, we're really not alone. It's the whole church suffering through us. Like I'll give you, I'll give you a little example. Like so I'll, I'll be honest. I, this is, I know it's going to sound weird to go from this angle, but, I've been like uber funky the last month, like like uber duper funky, and my prayer life has been crappy, mm-hmm. uh, just full on not great, not where I yeah. want, not where it usually is, not where I want it to be. Um, sure. And and but it's like okay, what's going on? Why is and it's, sometimes it's just we're just in a fun, and I think from what I hear, it's like everyone's been in the funk the last month. So um, yeah, okay, but then. For me, it's not a, I'm a horrible person because of all this. It's like, okay, Jesus. Like, and this has been my attitude. I, and I'll be honest. I worry sometimes of, does my hope al- force me to be too lackadaisical sometimes? Right? Mm-hmm. Jesus is really is in all this. So <laughs> you have yeah. to be careful to not let hope overtake the realm of human freedom. Um, right? Right, because then you're avoiding the sin in a different exactly. way. Exactly. It's like, yeah, Jesus is there and it's all good and fine, right? But at the same time, I guess I say that to say, like, I know my prayer life hasn't been the best, and I and I need and I I recognize I need to do some things to make it better, but I'm also not convinced that this isn't what Jesus wants me to go through right now, <laughs> if that makes sense, right? Right, or that He wants to go through it with, with you. exactly, like, exactly, um, right? So I guess, but what I'm trying to get with that is is. I don't see this as a not. I don't see this as a moment of him not doing work in me and with me. I still see that, and so I don't like. I don't. I don't go crazy thinking why is this happening to me or whatever, because I'm like. I mean, it's good on a variety of levels to go through this. I've got a lot more compassion and empathy towards people who have gone through all sorts of stuff in this last year, and to understand why different reactions come out. Uh, I don't fall into those reactions, but I, I recognize where it's coming from a bit more. But I say all this to say, like, am I willing to say, Jesus, I recognize you're there. And, okay, this is where I'm, go- I'm going to even sit with this. And even even perhaps in, in a strange way, I know this is going to sound really weird to hear. But I know that, okay, my prayer life is not where I want it. I'm not, not, I'm not saying I'm not praying. I'm just saying it's not where I want it right. to be. Um but in a weird way, sitting with that is and being and knowing Christ is working in that, I know that the Holy Spirit is interceding with size too deep for words. Mm-hmm. And so I don't I don't lose my mind because I'm like, all right, I'm here. This is this is the reality that Jesus has placed me in. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's based on that love. Yeah, and so maybe just yeah. to finish up, like the image for me is um, very much the woman at the well. Mm. Mm. If we if we are the woman at the well, 
What we want is for Jesus to show up and say, get rid of your five husbands. What are you doing? Then we can talk. Right. He doesn't do that. Yeah. He immediately begins engaging with her. And then with her, he reveals to her her sin and the deeper nature of it. And because she has sat uncomfortably at the well with Jesus Christ and even pushed back a little bit at times, Mm -hmm. wrestled with the problem, but it was an open dialogue conversation with the divine. It's from that place when she goes out to tell the rest of the town, she's no longer afraid of her sins because one, that's the place where she encountered God's mercy, but she's able to leave them at the well and go Mm -hmm. and tell people about Jesus Christ. If we keep our spiritual life focused around our sins and not Christ, we're never going to be able to do that. All we're going to keep doing is posting about how terrible of sinners we are. All we're going to be able to do is keep hating ourselves. All we're going to be able to do is make our prayer life dry and these litanies of self-accusation. And we're going to use confession as a band-aid. We're going to become increasingly frustrated with ourselves. We're going to keep spiraling and spiraling and spiraling. And God doesn't want any of that for you. Right. This is, these are the chains of sin that Christ wants to free us from. So don't use the trappings of religion to bind the chains tighter around you. Mm-hmm. And if you're the kind of person who likes challenge in the spiritual life, this is the greatest challenge. Mm-hmm. This is the tough work. You, like to, you would love to do 500 rosaries, but you know what's tougher? Sitting with Christ at the well. Yeah. Allowing him to love you in that sinfulness. That's the challenge that brings life. Yes. And so, and I think they, just as a quick, quick tad aside, it's like, it's why like I always worry when Catholics are overly worried about what's going on in the world. And I'm like, you can't do anything about it. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. you can't affect most of the political stuff that's going on. You can't affect the stuff that's going on in Rome. You, you can't affect, and all this stuff. You have, you have zero power. Zero. But you have power over your soul and over your local situation with Christ, yeah. with Christ, with Christ, with Christ, obviously. Like, I'm not saying, right, right, not right. a Pelagian, uh, <laughs> yeah. not a heretic, uh, but you know. And you have an entire universe yeah. and, and in, like so many battles to fight even within your soul. Yeah. Like, there's there's enough action for you right there. Exactly. There's enough stuff that you can do with Christ by his grace. One of the greatest temp- That yeah. makes it worthy. Yeah, one of the greatest temptations the devil does is he makes us more worried about what's going on out there and totally ignoring the heart. Mm-hmm. It's like if you, mm-hmm. the thing is, because here's the thing. What actually changes the world is when your heart is changed. Mm-hmm. That's when the world changes because you then have it ripples around to others. So just remember that too. If you're obsessed about everything that's going on in the world, maybe you need to check your heart. Yes. So Jesus loves Amen. you. This you know. That's because clerically speaking, told you so. Told you so. <laughs> I like it. There you go. Oh, All right. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the. <laughs> the people who watch the live stream get all of this good stuff. Okay. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me not making bolognese sauce. You can find me at Fr Harrison, <laughs> tweeting about my bolognese the... sauce. 
<laughs> Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Peace. God bless.